everyone, Siobhan Chapman here, and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation, where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Today's conversation will primarily focus on quarter four earnings season and the commercial real estate exposure, along with CIO's views. Joining us for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome back Danny Kessler, Asset Allocation Strategist with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Danny, welcome. We're happy to have you. Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Danny. So let's get started. There has been renewed concern over commercial real estate exposure at U.S. banks. Can you bring us up to speed and share CIO's views? That's right, Siobhan. So news last week surrounding New York Community Bank Corp, or NYCB, raised concerns over the exposure of banks to U.S. commercial real estate, or CRE. Investors likely had flashbacks to banking troubles last year when Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank both collapsed. NYCB reported losses tied to its CRE business last week, with the bank's increased size compounding its troubles. The bank's larger size resulted in higher reserve requirements, hurting profitability, and forcing premature sales of distressed assets. Interestingly enough, NYCB actually acquired a large portion of Signature Bank deposits and loan portfolios after the latter's collapse last year. So following the news, Moody's downgraded the bank to junk bond status, and the stock fell as much as 65%. But luckily, here in CIO, we view these risks as idiosyncratic and don't expect any meaningful bank capital deterioration, systemic crisis, or contagion to other sectors within commercial lending. The main area of risk, urban and suburban office properties and U.S. bank office exposure, represents only about 2% of average total loans at large banks and about 4% for small and mid-sized banks. Most banks have also recently increased their allowance for credit losses for office properties to between 8 to 10% of loans outstanding. Further reassuring is that CRE has been a key area of focus for bank management and regulators alike in recent years. U.S. banks have been tightening underwriting standards related to CRE for over a year now. And even in the case of losses, commercial real estate has a long-dated cycle. Losses would likely be spread out over several years. The NYCB news came at the end of bank earnings season, with no other banks reporting negative surprises related to CRE. So, in summary, there's a host of reasons why these risks are likely just related to NYCB and are not likely to uh, extend out into further problems. Thank you so much for your insight on that, Danny. So, checking up on quarter four earnings season, we've wrapped up another busy week of reporting. How has the season been playing out relative to expectations? Indeed, we have, Siobhan. Uh, almost three quarters of the S&P 500 market cap has reported earnings now. The majority of companies yet to report are within the consumer, real estate, and utilities sectors. Earnings season has been generally positive so far with results and guidance both coming in encouragingly. Fourth quarter beats have been better than normal, and first quarter guidance has given reasons for optimism, especially when excluding the energy sector. Earnings appear to be reaccelerating, and the so-called Magnificent Seven are leading by example, with artificial intelligence a key driver of results. All in all, the signs we've seen from earnings season so far appear to be in line with the renewed optimism we've seen in the equity market. Turning to the data calendar, what were some notable releases from this past week? So the most notable economic release was last Friday when the U.S. labor report showed non-farm payrolls increased by 
353,000, which is way above the consensus forecast of 185,000. Additionally, payrolls for the prior two months were revised higher, bringing the three-month rolling average up to 289,000 from just 165,000 one month ago. Average hourly earnings also came in far above expectations at six-tenths of a percent month over month versus the consensus forecast of three-tenths of a percent. These data releases further strengthen the belief that the Fed will not begin cutting rates in March. Markets are now pricing in just a 23% chance of a rate cut at the next meeting, which is down from as high as 90% back in December, while May still maintains about a 60% chance of a cut. The U.S. 10-year Treasury yield has risen over 30 basis points to 4.15% since last Thursday. The ISM Services Index was released on Wednesday, rising from 50.5 in December to 53.4 in January and beating expectations. The report was overall mixed with optimism and pessimism as employment, new orders, and export orders increased, but respondents indicated that inflation was not as favorable. The services sector appears to be continuing to grow at a moderate pace. And the Federal Reserve's Senior Loan Officer Opinion Survey was also released on Wednesday, showing that banks are continuing to tighten lending standards across all categories, but to a lesser extent than in previous quarters. Overall, it appears that high borrowing costs will continue to have an outsized impact on small companies that are reliant on bank loans as opposed to large companies that can raise money in the markets. Looking ahead to next week, what should investors be mindful of? Yeah, so the big item to look out for next week is the Consumer Price Index inflation measure. So that release will be a barometer for markets to see if inflation is continuing its downward trend that the Fed needs to see in order to begin cutting rates. And that's kind of what's on everyone's mind right now. The NFIB Small Business Optimism Survey will be released the same day, Tuesday, and can provide anecdotes on small business experiences in the current environment. Thursday will be a busy day of releases with retail sales, import and export price data, jobless claims, and the NAHB Housing Market Index all being released. We'll wrap up the week with another busy day of releases, including housing starts and building permits, the producer price index, which is another measure of inflation, and last but not least, the University of Michigan Sentiment Survey. Okay, perfect. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again for having me on, Siobhan. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.